This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He put oh, he's the one. Pussy up the right sideline. He's got to go. He's tackled. Sam Houston wins it. The Bearcats capture their first FCS championship. Hello and welcome to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Ishmael Johnston, here in the middle of magazine season in April. With us always is our senior college writer who is constantly putting miles on his car, Mike Craven, especially this time of year in Austin, but you've been basically everywhere this past week. So we're recording this Wednesday afternoon. On Tuesday, I woke up and drove to beautiful Huntsville, Texas. And I don't say that jokingly. Uh, The drive from Austin to Sam Houston, very pretty, up 21. Mm. Um, kind of, kind of just through a little bit of the hill country and then first into the piney woods. Like it's, it's a very pretty drive, a lot of farmland. Yeah. Um, so, so did that Tuesday. Got to talk to Casey Keeler, the newest member of the FBS ranks. It was a lot of fun. Their facilities starting to look great. Um, nice. On the end, okay. like the actual, like where the coach's office is and the weight rooms, yeah. the locker rooms and stuff. They've done a great job. If everybody remembers or doesn't remember, in 2021, where they won that national championship, they didn't have a locker room because right. they've been knocked down and they were building it. You know, so they were they were doing stuff out of the press box, out of different meeting rooms across yeah. town. And so uh, it looks really nice in there. So that was a lot of fun. This morning, I went to A&M, went, stayed in College Station, went to A&M this morning. Uh, at 6 o'clock today, I will be back up at the airport, and we fly to Lubbock uh, to go see the Texas Tech Red Raiders on, on Thursday. So uh, it is uh, it's full-fledged magazine season, baby. It's been a lot of fun. Ten stops in like 20 days, and we got two more to go. Yep, you're almost almost done with the, the driving at least. Then it comes to the the riding part, which is like, oh right, I still got to do all that. Yeah, so. I still have work to do. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, if uh, anybody just checks Craven's Twitter, he'll figure you'll figure out where he is uh, at any given day. So I do that uh, for my mom. Oh, there you go. You know? <laughs> just to let her know. Yeah, so that way if I get too busy to answer anything. She can like just be like, okay, he's in Waco. Right. <laughs> there you go. Um, of course, the reason why you can hear us is everyone's favorite Mal pal, Mallory Hartley. Mallory, hi. Hi. Currently working on my cover boy story, but that's it. So I, nice. I'm, not, nice. <laughs> I'm not gonna complain at all because it's pretty nice, <laughs> but I don't really know how to do m- much about it. So well, reverse I pyramid. Reverse me, I pyramid. You, uh-huh. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't ask you to trade uh, the scheduling baseball games, which is what you'll be doing very soon. So yeah. Yes. We'll, so we'll that that's that's our own areas of stress. <laughs> yeah, it's coming up. This was a good week to kind of work on that until we transition into baseball softball playoffs. So it's about to start getting fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of fun, Craven, this past weekend is what I like to call, or at least the start of it. We've got some coming up this weekend too. It's what I like to kind of call the most important, unimportant event of the year, which is the spring game. Um, particularly for two programs, uh, it's kind of it was kind of a talking point. I guess for one, really, it was a big talking point. The other one just also happened at the same time. Uh, Texas and AM. Uh, of course, this is what spring camp always leads to. We had a big discourse about spring camp and what that means now in the air of the, the, the transfer portal. And you know, obviously we had the Texas orange and white game and the maroon and white game for AM last weekend. And naturally, there were some talking points. 
Um, I'd say the biggest one for me personally, and I don't know if you agree, disagree or agree with this one. The biggest one for me was Sark coming out right away and saying, this is not a quarterback battle, right? More or less. Quinn Ewers is the starting quarterback for the University of Texas. Um, some people tried to, I, I feel, I felt like some people were hoping that Arch Manning would light things up and all of a sudden, no, oh, this is going to be a crazy thing that's going to go into the fall. And just like he did with Hudson Card and, you know, his first year with Hudson Card and Casey Thompson and no, no, this it wasn't going to be a thing. Um, Quinn Ewers, I believe, let's see, the official stats were 16 to 23 to 195. Obviously stats really don't matter. It's just kind of a glorified scrimmage, but Looks really solid. Looks really good. Um, Arch Manning came and looked like a kid who was in high school a couple years, a couple months ago, and Malik Murphy was kind of the one that kind of stood out, um, kind of as an unsung hero. Sticking with Texas right now, before we get on to AM, you know, what were some things that stood out to you about this, and were you surprised that Sark kind of named a starting quarterback right away without even like hinting at <laughs> the idea of a competition? I'll take the the second one first. I I wasn't surprised that he said Quinn Ewers is is obviously our starter right now, and he he did leave a little room open over. You know, I'm not going to remove that carrot from any of these guys. I don't want to tell mm-hmm. Malik Murphy or Arch Manning that they can't go take that job if if the this is me talking now. But if the summer happens yeah. and early into fall camp, it's obvious that one of those two guys is just far and away better than everybody else. He'll get to start, but. From what we've seen, Quinn Ewers is the best quarterback on campus. He understands the offense the best, and he has the most experience. And so uh, I was happy that Malik Murphy got on the field. For those who don't know his story, he hurt his foot uh, his last year in high school. He also had to deal with California and the COVID rules, and they moved around the the season over there on him as well. Um, so he's kind of he's had a rough go of it the last three football seasons or so. Uh, to to ha- I know it's just a spring game. For him to have that moment, I thought was excellent. We shouldn't get into the Arch Manning stuff. He's been on campus for two months. He's right. not supposed to play. He's not supposed to start. They picked Texas because they knew he could go sit behind a Quinn Ewers and not have that pressure and get to develop. He he played very he played taps level football in Louisiana. Right, right. Like it's going to be a big jump up. It's different when you're throwing up throwing against Malik Muhammad than if you're throwing up against me. Right. You know what I mean? Like that, that, that's what the competition level jump up is. And so uh, that's going to take a little while and he doesn't have to do it right away. And so I think Texas is fine at quarterback. That's going to be about the live bullets and what happens with Quinn when the first guy isn't open. Does he go through his progressions Are him and Sark on the same page, but overall the Texas spring game, it made me start drinking the Kool-Aid more than I already was. Right. Cause yeah. you look at, you look at wide receiver, and Jonte Cook's the fifth best option out there, and he's he's running for 78-yard touchdown passes where he's just blowing by guys. Yeah. A.D. Mitchell's making one-handed Spider-Man catches uh, in the end zone. Jatavion Sanders, we know what he can do. Not even all the offensive linemen were healthy, but they still had five guys who have played a lot of football who looked – D.J. Campbell's playing guard and mashing people. Um, and so they're going to be good offensively, especially if they can find a running back. The, the questions are going to be about the defensive side of the ball. And you wonder who's going to rush the passer. Oh yeah. Anthony Hill, five-star guy from Denton Ryan, you know, with two or three sacks, if they were keeping those stats. So Texas looks really good. They got a lot of toys and then Sark sounds as confident as a coach can sound. A lot of coaches, mm-hmm. a lot of times you, you kind of pump the brakes on any good feelings. 
sure, know, you sure. start the spring with a lot of optimism and then you end it with, well, we have a lot of things to work out. We're not a finished product. These guys need to get back in the way you're kind of set the tone for the summer. You know, Sark was pretty confident, pretty, pretty honest about like liking this team. It looks like a team that's mine. The depth is there. We don't have any excuses. Let's go, you know, win a lot of football games. So it looks like the Longhorns are as ready as they've been in a long time to go win football games. Not just talent on the field, but like mentality and maturity wise. I was about to say like that to me, I tweeted this uh, over the weekend just because like, I feel like if I, I don't know if you agree with it or not. I feel like if I wasn't in this industry, like I would, as a fan, I wouldn't care about spring game. Right. Oh yeah. Um, no, I'm just like, <laughs> so I tweeted out. I was like, I respect the fans that like go out and sit during the spring games and watch these guys. It's like, I, I love football. I don't like it that much, but um, regardless, I think what Texas showed to me is what one, what the spring game should be, which is showing off talent. Right. Mm. Um, and two, it was like, it was very, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of like very modest hype, right? Like you, ha- you were, you had a feeling about this team and then you saw those guys do those things that you're excited about. And it was like, okay, it justified it, right? It was like a lot of evidence-backed hype. And it's not like, you know, no one's going out and saying, man, Quinn Ewers is going to win a Heisman Trophy right now. But it's like, right. yeah, well, yeah, he yeah. looks like a seasoned quarterback now, right? Yeah. It looks yeah. like John Zay Cook is a guy who's going to be able to contribute as a freshman, right? Um, it looks like whenever you see these guys and you realize, oh, Isaiah Nayer's not out there, right? And it's like, man, you add him to that room. You had Casey Kane in there. You had... Uh, Jalen Catalan to the secondary, right? Guys that weren't out there. And you're like, man, I was already pretty impressed with what I saw. And now you add the guys who missed practice, now potentially adding them in the fall. To me, that was that's what a a a you know a spring game is more or less, right? It's supposed to be entertainment, first of all, right? The fans are there, they had some big plays dialed up, they saw Malik Murphy throw the ball deep. And it's also supposed to kind of just give these guys a chance to play in some type of live fire. Um, without taking any drastic conclusions. But with that being said, yeah, I think some of the hype is is getting justified, right? This team looks like a team that just gels right now. And on both sides of the ball, you're seeing the playmakers come out. And like you mentioned with somebody like a Malik Murphy, where it's like, okay, sure, yeah, he may not be at Texas all four years or whatever, but man, that's, I think, I forgot who I, who's called it. Uh, Texas might have the best quarterback room in the country right now. RG3. Right? Like, yeah, and it was it was like, that's insane to think about, you know, considering we're not insane to think about, but like considering where this program was with the position a couple of years ago, where it's like, I don't know if any of these guys are that good. And now it's like, okay, you have your established starter. You have the guy waiting in the wings and you have a guy who probably could leave right now and start at any other team in the conference. Right. At the very least um, in, in Malik Murphy. And that leads to like what I find to be the most fun. Con- and by the way, before we get into what I think is a really fun conversation, when we yep. say we're, we're drinking the Kool-Aid or they have it, it's to go like nine and three, 10 and two and compete for a big 12 championship. I'm, sure, not, yeah, I'm, them, not, I'm not saying they're, they're not, not Georgia not big 12 title or not, right. sorry, we're not going national title here. <laughs> right. They're not Georgia. They're not Ohio state. They're not Michigan. Sure. They're not Alabama. We, we get all that. We're talking about Kansas state, you yeah. know, TCU. They're there. Like they're there and they may not be there come November, but like right. there, there's nothing, there's nothing other than themselves that should keep them from doing that. And that hasn't been true at Texas, even with all the recruiting classes, like that 2018 or 2019 class was ranked really high. But if we look back on it, it sucked, you know what right. I mean? So like, it's not, it's not all about that all the time. So, um, but what I think becomes a fun conversation and we, this is the podcast to do this on, cause we can derail this stuff pretty easily. Yeah. If you're Malik Murphy, mm-hmm. 
you putting out some feelers to some other schools and go, I talked about this with Aaron Hogan on the eyes and spies on Texas podcast yesterday. You know, if you're like Florida, you know, or, or a program of that ilk who needs a quarterback, you're watching spring games, wondering which backups we can go, you know, pillage. And if I'm looking at any backup right now after Saturday, I mean, whose stock is higher than Malik Murphy. So I think another thing Texas is going to have to worry about is keeping him on campus, not long-term, but just over the next month. I was about to say, I mean, he's, yeah, I I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, granted everything I've heard about him is like, yeah, he, I mean, the fact that he stuck with Texas even through last year, right. You know, even though he was hurt, he still could have been like, yeah, I'm not going to be in the running for this. So I'm just going to bounce. He got Hudson card and, and, um, and uh, Quinn Ewers. So yeah, I, I think that is something to watch out for because we talked about it a little bit with tech last year where they had three capable quarterbacks and the difference is, it was realistic that all three of those guys could have played. You could have looked in June and May and June and said, oh yeah, it's all three of those guys could play, right? You had somebody who's hurt. You still had somebody who's inexperienced and you had somebody in Donovan Smith who may not be the most polished guy you have. And so like, yeah, sure. There's opportunity there. This one's not as, you know, this one's not as, as, as up in the air. It's more, it's almost cut and dry, right? It's, it's going to be Quinn Ewers. And then if that doesn't work out, theoretically, you'd probably just I mean, again, I don't think this will happen, but like if you're Sark, you may just choose to say, screw it and throw Arch Manning to the wolves and say, you know, when, you know, get better with reps. I don't think that's how he acts, but I wouldn't surprise me if he did that. Um, And so if you're Malik Murphy, do you, you know, I think he's going to be, I think he's going to have the confidence in himself to want to compete for that backup job. But, you know, I could also see him being realistic and say, Hey, look, Arch is the future here. Quinn Ewers is the now, unless we're like on the verge of a playoff berth and they want experience in there, they'll put me in, you know, to be a starter. But like, I don't know, it wouldn't surprise me if they decide to play Arch over him, just not even based off talent, just to get him reps. Um, so yeah, if I'm if I'm Malik Murphy, yeah, I, I, I'm glad I got to show off a little bit because man, he showed off that arm on that 70 yard bomb to Jonte Cook. And it's like, that's why they shut down quarterback recruiting after after they got him. Like, that was very obvious. He's a he's obviously a gifted runner, um, but he's not a, a a running quarterback, if that makes sense. He is a throwing, he is a arm pocket passing quarterback who can run and is very physical. So no, I, I'm glad that everybody, not only Texas fans, but like everybody in the country is kind of like, oh, what's that over there? You know, it's kind of like this shiny object that <laughs> that they're kind of dangling now. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think Texas overall spring game, the vibes are pretty damn good. I mean, obviously coming out of a, a frustrating season, you know, expectations are high and I think they probably had the best spring camp out of, uh, and, and basically the best that they could have, they could have had in my opinion. So. Yeah, they're uh, healthy. Oh, good. No good. So then they came out of it healthy. Yeah, exactly. And Cause that's the biggest part of all. They came out of it healthy. All right, let's get to the other one, uh, other program that had a spring game and not many questions are answered mainly due to, kind of their own doing, I guess. We went to AMs. And uh, <laughs> at least for me, I saw some of the highlights of this game. And I was like, I came out of that thinking before I looked at any of the quotes, any of the stories, I was like, yeah, it looks like Connor Wigman's a starter to me. Hmm. And then Jimbo Fisher came out and said, yeah, we're gonna have a quarterback battle until, <laughs> until one of these guys wins it. And I was like, I just don't, is he just doing a Jimbo Fisher thing? <laughs> or is he just like, no, I actually like Max Johnson. <laughs> I think some of it's to keep Max on campus. You know, you, you need to give him a little Fair. bit of a, a, a carrot to chase. And, and we got to remember, 
you know, there's 12 FBS programs in the state last year. Only two of them played their starting quarterback all year long. Good point. Good point. You know, like a lot, you're going to play your backup. You're as good as your backup quarterback in a lot of ways. You're going to need that guy uh, to win you a football game or two or to come in at the end of a game and, and finish off a drive while, while a guy's, you know, on the sidelines working on his, on his, you know, ankle or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And so uh, I think keeping Max around is important. You want to push Connor as well. You don't want him to feel comfortable as just like, oh, I'm the guy. I go in the summer on the dude. You kind of want to put uh, a little bit under him. And I also, I think you want to protect him a little bit. You don't want to just start anointing him to where now everybody in the world who covers Texas A&M wants to do a feature story on this and talk about that and put him under a microscope. And so uh, I, I feel like it was it was the right thing to do. This, you know, it's a spring game, so who, who cares? But this spring looked a lot better than last spring game. Like if you turn yes, on. Last year, you were like, I don't know if they have a quarterback. Oh, <laughs> like last, year, last year, I came out of that spring game going, they're going to stink. And I had to force myself to put them in the top 25 of the magazine because it felt weird to leave right. them completely out if they were going to be ranked six. But they stunk. Like they, yeah. they, they were not good. And so coming out of this spring, you're like, wow, they got some dude. I mean, Evan Stewart. Yeah. I we mean, were talking in the office the other day about who the best wide receiver in the state was going to be in the magazine. Yeah. And if we, if we are a projection magazine, then Evan Stewart deserves to be in that conversation. Cause he might be the best quarter wide receiver in the state by the end of the year. Like he's excellent. Them they holding look, onto him was the biggest win of this off season. Oh man. He's, he's unbelievable. Uh, it looked like there was a little bit more tempo, a little bit more speed, a little bit more urgency, not as much sure. as getting to the line of scrimmage and then like just sitting there for a few seconds. And so I'd like to see more motion, but I think that comes in the fall. They probably just weren't worried about a lot mm -hmm. of the pre-snap stuff um, in the spring. But you know, I, I would talk to Ania Smith today, who's back um, at slot receiver, and he's pretty excited about the guys around him. And so I think the vibes, as we were talking about with Texas, I think the vibes are better with Texas A&M. The thing yeah. is, though, if you're Texas and you get a little bit better, you can go from eight and four to winning the Big 12. You just can. That's what that yeah. conference is. Texas A&M, even if you get a decent amount better. Such a hard wall. <laughs> dude, dude, I mean, like, it's like, man, I, I got a little bit stronger today. It's like, well, here's this 400 bench press that now do, you know, it's like, well, I didn't get that much stronger. And that's what the SEC is all of the time. So what is better for A&M? They can be a better football team but still only look average at seven and five, or maybe even they get to eight and four. And Jay Arnold and I were talking about this on the, on the podcast that we do. That's not a fan base that's happy with eight and four. They're not going to be like, well, man, look how much we got better. That was a great season. We did. That's not right. how that's going to be viewed. And so to go from five and seven to 10 and two in the SEC takes a Herculean effort or just one of those weird years in the SEC, like LSU ran into last year. And so maybe A&M can do that. They got all the talent in the world. Uh, but I'm probably not going to bet on it. I still think this is a, an eight-win team. I feel like that'd be a good improvement, but who knows what that'll be viewed as uh, in the big picture by that fan base. Yeah, no, I, I think some of the wrinkles on offense, you're right, were pretty promising. Uh, they got some of the running backs involved in the passing game, right? Ruben Owens caught a couple passes. That was good to see him. Um, I think Jimbo Fisher's the type of head coach that wouldn't put on a show just to put on a show. So I don't think a lot of that was like, I'm just going to make it fun for the fans. It was like, he's the guy that's like, if I run the slot T, I'm just going to run the slot T in the spring game. <laughs> um, we're not going to do a lot of tricks, tip, uh, a bunch of wild stuff. So I think a lot of the stuff that we saw that was vertical, that was a little, like you mentioned, a little bit more tempo, that stuff that legitimately I think is something that they added with Bobby Petrino now in the room. Um, so yeah, I agree. The vibes are definitely better 
Um, but regardless, the yeah, the idea of them improving from five and seven to ten and two, because it's like Ruben Fathery can be a much better tackle, but it's like awesome, you can be an improvement. Now go block Harold Perkins. You know, like it's kind of one of those things. <laughs> my my concerns with Texas AM aren't even offensively. And I know sure. that sounds crazy with how much time we spend talking about the Texas offense. I just mean as a media collective, right, uh, right, because right. of the Bob, Bobby Petrino, Jimbo Fisher, you know, what that offense has looked like. Uh, but Torian York was the leading tackler on Saturday. Yeah. Like their linebacker room is not all that great. Now the good news is defensive line, especially the interior of the defensive line. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah. Jamar Turner to Walter Nolan, McKinley Jackson, like those guys, just an incredible group of interior linemen, but the yeah. secondary quietly Texas A&M had the best pass defense in the nation last year in terms of rushing yard or passing yards given up. Mm-hmm. They lose Antonio Johnson. They lose Jalen Jones, but they're just as good. Bryce Anderson's about to be a breakout player. Um, Tariq Chappelle's back. They brought in Sam McCall, Tony Grimes from the ACC uh, to come start right away. They're going to be really good uh, on the back end and up front, but that that linebacker spot That's for them, I would not be surprised. They may go try to find somebody in the portal. The problem is the portal's not full of like a lot of star players. There's a lot of backups, and, and the way A&M recruits, they're beyond that level of player. And so right. they're going to have to go with, with what they have on the roster. And then it may end up being a true freshman. Yeah. I think Jimbo Fisher also mentioned a little bit of, um, I think the thing with the, the defensive line interiorly interior, especially perfectly fine. I think that next, those next rotation guys are going to be a little bit of an issue for him. And he kind of, he kind of echoed that, um, you know, the, the next, the second, third guys, the guys who are playing, you know, middle of the second half or middle of the second half, early first half, things like that. Um, that's something that he, I think, hinted on a little bit. I'm curious to see um, how much of that changes with a full class coming in in the fall, things like that. Uh, what gets shirt up? What is the hold? Like, like you said, has to be filled through the portal. But yeah, that's a good point about the, the linebackers. It's like you may lack the upside talent of like an SEC caliber defense, but is adding somebody from – you know, the Sun Belt transfer going to be better than the guy that you're probably already not even rating as good enough to start in the SEC. So, yeah, that's going to be an interesting thing to to kind of hint on as well. Um, yeah, that was kind of all I had for those two programs. I know two other programs that had spring games. Uh, of course, we should mention Baylor Tech, um, mostly everybody, uh, Baylor Tech, who am I forgetting? TCU. Um, TCU. Uh, they have TCU their had theirs. Oh, they, have, they did have theirs. Oh, okay, they yeah. did have theirs this weekend. I know Tech and Baylor have theirs this upcoming weekend. Oh, I thought you were talking about programs that have already had it. Oh, no, no, sorry. I was mentioning programs that are yet to have theirs that we'll talk about uh, next. Texas State as well um, has theirs, and North Texas have theirs this upcoming weekend, so we'll hit on that. Um, UTSA and, and uh, Rice had theirs, though. Um, yep. I mean, I saw, I, I saw a little bit of recap from it, and... I think Rice is just very blessed to have JT Daniels. <laughs> Rice is very blessed to have an, a big 12 caliber quarterback as their starter going into next season. You know, what's interesting about Rice is, you know, they're pretty talented offensive. Like you, you look around their offense, they got a former five-star quarterback. Now, you know, this is a team that started more quarterbacks than any other team in FBS since Mike yeah. Wilmington's gotten there. They've had an incredible amount of turnover at that position. So maybe JT Daniels offers some stability there. But at wide receiver, they're stacked. They got Jack Bradley back at tight end. Offensive line's mostly intact, except they lost their center, Shea Baker, who had over 3,600 snaps 
in college football. And from going by there at, at the uh, at the meeting that I had with Bloomgren, he was like, I think I took for granted how easy it is to snap the ball to your quarterback and not have to worry about that. Like to not even worry about that right. exchange. So they've kind of gone through some growing pains there, figure out the, the center spot. I think it's going to be Brandon Nutter. Uh, but that was that was kind of a major issue, and it feels like that popped up once or twice uh, in the spring game. For Rice, it's going to be about the defense. They were atrocious yeah. on the defensive side of the ball last year. They brought in John Kay, um, and they also brought in Derek Mason as a consultant, the, the former just, coach at Vanderbilt, that. Oklahoma State. Him and Bloomgren are close. Um, I guess he lives maybe in Houston or whatever. They had a connection, and so he's come in as kind of a Gary Patterson-esque consultant uh, mm-hmm. for the Rice Owls defensively to help out. Uh, and so I think that's going to help as well. They've just gotten simple, uh, simpler, uh, but they're going to have to figure out the defensive side of the ball. They have some holes defensively. Um, that's going to be where they have to take this next step because they're going into a conference with a bunch of talented offensive weapons and offenses uh, that they're going to play against weekly. Yeah, that's that's a good point. That's a really good one, actually. Um, I did look, so I didn't see the TCU highlights, but I did see a couple of write-ups from Steven Johnson over at the Forward Star Telegram. And one thing that caught my caught my eye was one, obviously the the transfer of Jordan Hudson, which is a massive loss for that offense. But I will say one of the things he mentioned was how good JP Richardson looked. <laughs> he did look really good. So that, I mean, again, you lose a Hudson, and you know, obviously more is better than less. So like Earl with Hudson with Richardson would have been probably an incredible trio. But do you think TCU can get by with? And, and he should, I should also mention Trey Sanders. He also had a very good things to say about as well. So do you think TCU can get by with those skill position guys around a Chandler Morris who we presume would be taken over? Um, obviously not to maybe, obviously not to replicate last year what it was, but to kind of, you know, not to, you know, to, to, you're replacing a lot. So, you know, hopefully to not retreat or um, backtrack a ton, right? Uh, do you think they have enough to kind of be comfortable, I, I should say? I do. Like if we're talking about like an eight, nine win season, maybe yeah. kind of flirt with the big 12 championship game birth. Right. Uh, I think they have enough to stay there. You know, Chandler Morris won that job in front of Max Duggan last year, whatever that means. It, mm-hmm. For me, it believes, you know, the coaching staff, at least Sonny Dykes believes that he has the talent to go do it. We saw it when they beat Baylor a couple years ago is, mm-hmm. you know, kind of what his upside can be. So I think a quarterback, they're going to be okay. Uh, Jared Wiley's back at, at tight end. Savion Williams is another name to remember out wide. Big mm. body target. Probably take over that Quentin Johnston role. For me, it feels like Jordan Hudson's transfer is a response to how good John Paul Richardson was in the spring. Right. Uh, that he wasn't going to be guaranteed a bunch of reps over there. Uh, which you never really want that, right? And then and then in the slot, you got JoJo Earl, Major Earhart, you know, there uh, to be those guys. So, and then Trey Sanders in the back end, uh, Monty Bailey, like they have players there. They mm-hmm. two really good tackles back offensively. The interior of the offensive line is going to be, have to be figured out specifically center Matthew Wyckoff transferring from a and I would watch him at TCU. Like that's, that's a name uh, that may help out there. Uh, but offensively, what I'll say about TCU is I've never known a Sonny Dykes team not to score a lot of points. I know he's not the play caller on the offensive, you know, coordinator, Sure. Uh, but everywhere he's ever gone, they score points. Even when they were when he was at Cal and he got fired and they weren't very good, they were still you know top five, top ten offense in the nation. So TCU is going to score points. Can they take a jump forward in year two under Joe Gillespie without a Dylan Horton, without a D Winters, without a Travis, uh, without a uh, uh, Hodges Tomlinson there? 
uh, to kind of be the number one cornerback. So they're going to take a step back. You can't go 12 and 0, reach the national championship game, and then just keep on rolling forward unless you're one of five programs in the nation. And TCU is not one of those five. And so yeah. they're going to take a step back. It's just a matter of how far. They don't want to go as far back as Baylor did. They want to mm-hmm. land at eight or nine games to where in October, November, they're still part of the Big 12 discussion. If that's the barometer, I, I think that they're still good enough to be there. I think one of the other things that stood out to me was kind of the the continued redemption of Shadrick Banks as a linebacker. Yeah. Um, you know, of course, this is somebody who was a highly touted four-star receiver. Probably, if you would have if you would have pegged him after the his sophomore year state championship game, he probably would have pegged him as a future five-star. Um, yeah. Obviously, things didn't work out. He had some he had some weight issues, things like that. Didn't work out at A and M. Goes to TCU, converts to a linebacker. And he seems to have really found a place for him. Uh, I believe he might have been their leading tackler at the spring game uh, last year. He kept flashing up as just like, oh, man, there's Shad Banks, you know, like making a big play. So he's kind of embraced that uh, role. And I'm, I'm, again, he was a good enough athlete to be regarded as somebody who could just be, again, as a sophomore, he was able to make a, a, an impact really early and catch scouts' eye. And so, I mean, obviously there's some football gifts and football IQ there that he's able to translate to to defense now. So that's been something that I'm, that's one thing I'm really curious about to see his continued development and growth on that side of the ball. You know, they're, they're, they're going to be really good at safety. Josh Newton's yeah. back at corner who, who may be the best defensive back in the state coming back. Mm. Um, so they're going to be good in the back. The, the linebackers are really, you know, Johnny Hodges is back. Jamoy Hodge uh, back as well. Banks an excellent player. Marcel Brooks, if he could ever stay on the field and get healthy, just an incredible talent with a bunch of upside as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Donna McWilliams, uh, back as a defensive tackle, he was playing. He played the first half of last year, starting for TCU at 17 years old. Yeah, man. You know, so <laughs> he he's going to get better. Uh, I think they're going to be fine. They just have to find a pass rusher. Like yeah. you, you have to have somebody who can get a quarterback off a spot. That's the one issue with that three man odd man offensive front that flyover defense. Uh, um, that TC runs under Gillespie. Sometimes it can allow a quarterback to have too much time, and you hope you're populating mm-hmm. all of those gaps with the defensive backs. Uh, but when you, Dylan Horton erased a lot of issues, mm-hmm. you know, you didn't see some guys getting open, or the guys that got open didn't get the ball all the time because Dylan Horton was either getting a sack or forcing the quarterback after the ball. He may be the biggest replacement on defense. It may not be D winners, it may not be Hodges Thomason, it may be Dylan Horton and finding a guy off the edge who can go get the quarterback. And those are hard to find. It's not you can go into the portal and find a slot receiver. You sure. can go into the portal and find a tight end or or a linebacker or even a defensive back. It's hard to find offensive linemen and it's hard to find edge rushers. And so uh, that's going to be a challenge for them in the offseason. One uh, so looking looking ahead to this week's last round of games, which ranking them by, I guess in, intrigue, interest, right? Which one would you have as your number one? As like I'm probably going to pay most attention to this one. Uh, again, it's the main ones are Baylor, Tech, UNT, Texas State, um, and I may be forgetting one. Um, but yeah, just just sort of off the top of your head, I think SMU as well might be in there. No, SMU played. SMU okay, played yeah. on Saturday as well at Highland Park High School uh, because oh, really? Ford, oh, that's right, Ford Stadium's getting 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 constructed. Um, you know, part of me wants to say North Texas because mm-hmm. you know Jace Reuters, the leading quarterback right now. Like, if, right? If, and if I, have no Texas, I'm, I have no idea whether I'm worried about that or like. <laughs> yes, that's you do. Something I want to say. Yes, you do. You know, you know what that makes you feel. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm I'm worried about that. <laughs> 
like that, that intrigues me because that's not a place that I thought we were going to be on April 19th. You know, that feels that was a that, name that I legitimately forgot about. Yeah, that feels like a 420 joke. Um, uh, so that that's going to be interesting to watch. The good news for North Texas is they have a they have the best coach you could possibly have to fix that problem, right? Like if you're going to hide a guy and figure out how to be productive in the passing game with somebody who has some um talent deficiencies. Mm-hmm. It's going to be Eric Morris. And remember, Jason Ritter is a guy that got to North Carolina. His talent's never been like an say, issue. Like, he can throw the ball. Uh, it's just when the game starts, sometimes he, yeah. he does some things that, that maybe right. you would rather not do. Um, that was the thing. Was like when, he, when he announced his transfer, because that was when South Patrol was like desperately trying to find somebody to bench Austin on. <laughs> um, and they brought him in, and he were like, oh, four-star coming out of high school, right? 6'3", good size. And you were like, okay, it makes sense. South in North Carolina. And so there's talent in there. And so that was kind of like my, that was my like half glass, glass half full was like, he's a prospect that maybe just didn't have the right staff around him to really get the best out of him. So uh, glass half empty is, he's been here for a while, something should have clicked. So who, who knows, we'll see. But yeah, that is, that might be number one for me, just seeing how that actually plays out. My real answer though is Baylor. Mm. Because I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, I got yeah. to go to practice last week and sit there and watch two hours of it. Still no clue, right? right. Like, I think Blake Shapin's the starting quarterback. He was taking most of the reps with the ones. He looked really good. But Blake Shapin looks really good when he's passing the ball. When you're not allowed to hit him, you know? And so um, the running back room looked excellent, though. Yeah. They brought in a guy from Oklahoma State to add with Rich, Richard Reese. That kid from Franklin, or uh, what's, his, what's his name? Uh, oh, uh, Bryson Washington. Bryson Washington. Looks like a junior in college already. Say, he, he looked like uh, a man last yeah, year. <laughs> I mean, so so running back room is going to be fine. Wide receiver room looks better, and that's going to help Blake Shapin a lot. Don't know what the yeah. offensive line is. Not sure what the defense is. You know, they brought in Matt Pallage to be the, the new defensive coordinator. How much – I always wonder, like, with offensive coordinators, how much when they bring – like, when, when Sonny Dykes brings in an offensive coordinator, how much is that as his offense? How much is that a new offensive coordinator? I wonder yeah. that with Aranda – at, at yeah. defensively you know like is he bringing in a guy to run defense or is he bringing in a guy to run his defense right. um and so like what what that's going to look like in three years under Dave Aranda they've had about as Jekyll and Hyde as you can get you know two and seven to 12 win back to six and seven what is Baylor they added some transfer portal guys I was there and talking to yeah. Dave Aranda I mean you know, he was talking about building a bridge between love and truth, that everybody comes from one place, right? You're either somebody who leans, leans on the love side where you want to give everybody a break and you right. operate where things should be or you want them to be, or you're on the truth side and you can be a little cold and everything's black and white. And, you know, you just, you care about truth and that he leans on the love side. Mm-hmm. And when all of those star players left out in 2021, the love side of them thought, if I bring in a bunch of portal players, to start in front of these guys who have been in this roster, mm. you know, who am I? What does that really mean? Player over, over program and all the other right. stuff I, I believe in. What do I do? And so he didn't bring in a lot of transfer guys and he counted on the guys on the roster to pick up that slack and become leaders. And it yeah. led to a six and seven season. And Aranda is trying to build a bridge. These are his words. He is trying to build a bridge from love to truth. And, and to get to that truth side of it doesn't, it, it benefits the guys here to bring in dudes that can compete with them and make this team better. Sure. And, and those things can be true at the same time. And so maybe he's kind of turned, he learned a lot from two and seven and turned that into a 12 win season. Maybe he learned equally enough 
equally as much in that six win season. He's going to turn that into a team that competes for a big 12 uh, again this year. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see if that's true. Yeah. Um, or if that's love. Was, yeah. Yeah. I think uh, the one thing that does concern me about, cause I didn't think about it until just now. The one thing that does concern me about this quarterback battle is that everybody acknowledges that it is a quarterback battle. And Sawyer Robertson has not taken a snap in college. (laughs) Everybody. And the fact that you mentioned it, Blake Shaven looks good in practice. Right. And the fact that we are kind of, again, the fact that we're having this debate and it's not like they brought in, you know, it's not like they brought in a Tanner Mordecai. Right. And we brought in a guy who sure. Yeah. Threw for a lot of yards in high school was good enough to go to the sec, but he hadn't, he hasn't played a meaningful snap in, in, in college. And so Everybody, you look up Sawyer Robertson's name and everybody on Twitter is talking about Dave Aranda says Sawyer Robertson's pushing Blake Shapin and Blake Shapin's upcoming quarterback. And I'm like, I again, I knew they had to bring in a body to push Blake Shapin. I didn't expect him to be the guy that's like, oh yeah, they're actually competing. And it's like, I don't know. That's, that's, I would love to believe that that just means how awesome Sawyer Robertson is. And I would love to believe that, man, he's really reaching his potential that, you know, a lot of the gifts he showed at Coronado, love at Coronado, but Part of me is also like, man, is Blake Shapin that kind of plateaued a little bit? And the other part of that, too, is Dave Aranda did the admirable thing last year by naming Blake Shapin the quarterback in the spring and letting Gary Gary Bohannon go find a place to go play. That was the admirable thing to do, and I respect the hell out of him for doing it. More coaches should be that honest with their football players. However, the downside of that, is you take a little bit of the competition away from the quarterback who you're naming the starter. And Blake Shapin felt like a guy who was comfortable. And this year, it feels like the message is being sent that, sure, you're our guy. You're taking on the first team reps. You should be the starter. You've started here 14 games now or whatever the the number is at this point. However, if you don't play very well, that leash is much shorter this year. And this guy's coming to take your job. Like, that's what he's here to do is come take your job. And so I think that's good. And I think Aranda – for as non-media savvy as he is, because he's just such an honest person, I don't know if he sits there and really thinks about it in those terms. Like, how do I tell him this? And how, I think he's just trying to get through the interview. Uh, <laughs> it does feel like he learned, just like with the transfer portal, he learned that having that competition, having that stick, kind of keeping it, you know, keeping the bid in is a way, is the better way to breed competition within your team. Because not everybody's Terrell Bernard, not everybody's Jalen Pre- You're never, you're not always going to have teams with these insane leaders on them. Sometimes you got to help them lead the way. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah, we'll see. Um, like I said, we got some spring games wrapping up next week or this weekend, I should say. And then that'll kind of conclude spring camp as a whole. And we'll be buried in our little uh, editorial bunker for, another month or so as we turn this thing out so yeah we'll be we'll be kind of next week obviously i mentioned we'll have we'll have this the last spring games to talk about but you know after that we'll kind of be kind of freewheeling it a little bit right yeah. well it's kind of it's going to be more or less unless some big news drops we're going to kind of be portal just, yeah portal portal news but it's going to be a lot of like hey what are we writing about we're kind of you know i just got finished with the utep section so we're going to talk a little bit about utep because this interests me or whatever it's going to be not as structured uh, as it will be during the season or even during the 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 late off season once we get closer to the season so uh yeah that'll do it for us this week uh remember Go subscribe to the Republic of Football Network and digest all the pieces of content. By the time this is up, a new Green Room episode with Matthew Bruni and Colin Mitchell should be out. Um, We are, if you notice, by the way, on Spotify, if you notice, you should be getting your thumbnails of each individual show. So that's a nice little touch that we're finally able to add. Uh, We changed some things on the back end, so we should be able to 
personalize everybody's experience for every respective show. Um, and yeah, like I said, go subscribe to the Republic of Football. Rate us as well. I don't say that enough or really at all. Uh, go rate us. Uh, and so we get, it helps us in the algorithm, all that stuff and uh, help us get those numbers up because yeah you're helping not only us but everybody else in the network and everybody else that works together on this so uh yeah we have 10 of the 20 of the 10 of the 13 shows uh teams right now 11 total shows including this one on the network so yeah if you are a fan of anywhere in the state you really have no excuse to not subscribe so yeah that'll do it for us if uh nobody else has anything else that'll do it for me Craven and Mallory, we'll talk to you guys next week. Jimbo Fisher, please, please, please come on the show. We will help you figure out that Connor Wigman is your best quarterback that you have right now on the roster. Um, but you'll figure that out on your own probably. Hopefully. We'll see. And as always, go Rutgers.